Hey guys, Rob McCallum here with some breaking news. On this week's episode, Rob McCallum sits in as we talk more Comic-Con and what he thinks of the upcoming Black Panther and Captain Marvel movies. He also gives away two free codes for the upcoming Steam game, Tiny Rails, and what do we think should happen with the future of the James Bond series. All this, plus the TV Ratings Guide returns for more thoughts on the television world and a hit song from Hyperschmidt. It's another Nintendo Quest full of Rob McCallum we have for you today as we reach our next stop... Game on. The PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from <coughs> Pop Culture Cosmos, and I'm here along with my good friend, filling in for Josh Peterson. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Rob McCallum Films, the award-winning director of Missing Mom. He also made a little little side film called, I think it was... Uh, Nintendo Quest. Yeah, that was it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. It's a thing. And he's also now a, a, a big part of Tiny Titan Studios. It's my good friend, Rob McCallum. How are you? Good. Good to be back. It's uh, been quite the hiatus, but uh, I clearly have not been doing nothing. I've been, my days have been filled up with a lot of new stuff that has been challenging me in new ways, which is always exciting. So I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that at some point. Well, you've certainly been missed here, right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse. And your presence is felt each and every week with the power <laughs> of your voice in our advertising and promos that we run on to break. So well, I'm glad that my voice hasn't disappeared, even though my co-hosting presence has. Uh, indeed. Well, it's a great pleasure to have you back on to talk some Comic-Con. And I appreciate you filling in for Josh Peterson, uh, who hopefully will be back next week as well. So if you get a chance, like I said, check us out each and every week on the PCC Multiverse, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. We also have the number one show for five months in a row on the Podcast Radio Network. That is the Pop Culture Cosmo Show, or as Rob doesn't like to hear, the Pop Culture Cosmo oh, Show. There's a reason I've stayed away. <laughs> you think you just identified it. And it's 10.30 uh, p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. If for some reason you can't catch us there, you know, on the way home or listening on the radio or on your, on the internet, uh, you know, whatever device that you have, you can always download or stream our shows off of iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts. Tune in, the Ace Podcast Network, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, and also our good friends at the ESO, the Tangent Bound, and the Gunna Geek Network. So, and if you do download and stream our shows, you might actually get an episode. In fact, on the back of this end, uh, back end of this episode, I will actually put on a classic Rob McCallum podcast for you as well. Uh -oh. So, uh oh, you'll have to see what me. I'll. 
times. Yes, indeed. Oh, uh, but some... I got to wait for the torture you're going to bestow upon everybody. Even I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, what this man has cooking in his kitchen. Uh, well, we played a, the gamer cast uh, last week, so and then we've also had uh, wine, women, and words also in the recent past, and also stuff from the Humanity Media. So, always get a great podcast. And in fact, an old episode of the Game Source uh, was uh, actually played on the back end of the previous episode, which had a bit of you in it as well, and your oh, good friend Douglas Hoyabu from Metro there we go. You can't get away. No matter what I'm doing, you can't get away. I can't get away, indeed. You've been such a big part of the past few years with Game Source <laughs> and Pop Culture Cosmos, man. And we just, I cannot tell you enough how much I appreciate it. So, you know, I, I know you are a staple now of pop culture here in, in the universe as far as for video games, documentary films, and whatnot. But I know you, on a personal level, as far as your affinity for many things pop culture. And it goes without saying that this past weekend, as I called it on the Pop Culture Cosmos show, the mecca uh, of pop culture this past weekend at Comic-Con was, was alive and well indeed. And so I wanna hear your thoughts first off before we branch off into a couple other topics, your thoughts on the show itself and what were some of the things that really stood out to you in maybe a positive or maybe a negative way? Well, you know, every year San Diego swells a little bit, and most geeks like myself uh, are are tempted to make the pilgrimage to everything that nerddom has to offer and be part of that experience. Where were you when this trailer was unveiled? Where were you when this person made a surprise appearance or this new toy line was shown for the first time? And then other people sit back and watch from afar and try to research and get the tidbits as they come in. And this year I was from afar, but uh, my brethren who uh, made Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, had their own panel at Comic-Con this year. So they were exclusive guests and they, they teased and tortured me with phone calls from the exhibitor floor before it was even open to the public saying how bored they were walking around trying to figure out something to do before the day started. Just rubbing uh, it in there, just, just pouring a little bit of salt on that wound, so to speak. Yeah, just rubbing it in. Um, I really didn't pay a huge uh, close following to what was going on at Comic-Con this year. I My weekend was uh, pretty busy at Tiny Titan, uh, where I'm producing and writing video games these days. We're approaching a, a Steam launch for one of our most successful mobile titles, so I've been really kind of burning the candle at both ends getting that ready. But uh, I made the kind of conscious effort to keep like today and tomorrow kind of set aside to kind of do some catch up. And I would say it seemed like it was a pretty good year for, for Comic-Con and, and fans of everything pop culture. I wouldn't say that there was any clear cut amazing kind of reveal or something that just like everybody seems to be talking about. Because usually that piece of info like permeates all aspects of, of the media. So like. You, you, you find yourself on CNN or Fox News and they're talking about it. This wasn't really the case this year. I think we stayed within the sphere of uh, you know announcements and trailers and reveals, but we got a really good kind of silver medal performance from San Diego Comic-Con. What did, what did you think in terms of what we saw and what was shown and, and what we heard this year? Well, when I spoke to Josh about it on the Pop Culture Cosmos show, he was really thinking that Marvel stood out as far as what they had to offer from a from a line as far as from comic books to television shows to to what's obviously coming up in the movies, even with what they announced the previous week at D23. I kind of like also as well that actually DC Films, their slate of films is, is still kind of up 
tentatively in the air um, with a lot of stuff coming out before 2020, but they've got a lot of stuff coming out, which is good news for fans of their their products. You know, from a, uh, Aquaman. <laughs> of, of, the, of, the way you phrase that is hilarious. Well, the only way. Okay, the way for of their character. Twelve people that like it, they're getting more of it. Yes. Yeah, so well, you. I mean, their slate is just huge with you know with Aquaman, Flashpoint, obviously Wonder Woman two coming out. Uh, Justice League, Justice League 2, those were all announced. The Batman, after some tenuous moments where people were thinking that Ben Affleck was was hitting the high road as far as Batman is concerned, he definitively said that, hey, he is a part of Batman as long as Warner Brother wants him to be. So it looks like for the foreseeable future that he's going to be involved with that. And the Batman, he's excited that Matt Reeves from uh, the Planet of the Apes movies is going to be helming that that feature coming up. Um, so that that's those were some good signs. It was still kind of weird how they have some uh, some you know some dates set. Warner Brothers has some dates set, but they don't really have those movies locked in place for the near future. As far as Cyborg and things of that nature, those secondary Justice League movies uh, like Aquaman, Flashpoint, and whatnot, they've got them in tenuously there, but they they're kind of like God had got an eraser. So if Justice League and Justice League 2 doesn't really pan out very well, that maybe they won't include them. But if if all goes well, that there's going to be a ton of DC movies going forward. Shazam as well. Don't let's not forget about Shazam as well. DC so Rock, right? yeah, DC was just, you know, I think they represented themselves well as a sign of the future. It's a good sign for DC fans. But what I, I also wanted to say was that there was so much beyond just DC and Marvel with the Kingsmen, with with even with small stuff like the Orville that's coming to Fox, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I was, so was going to say I think I think the big winners are people that like to watch serialized content between Stranger Things and uh, exactly supernatural stuff and uh, Ready Player One look. as well. That yeah, that, that's a big feature that dropped, and we got to see that trailer over the weekend. I'm not sure how I feel about the trailer, the look of it. P pictured it a bit differently when I went through the book myself, but uh, I'll definitely be in the theater to check it out. You know, we're talking about DC and Marvel, but there's one Cape Crusader that you haven't mentioned yet that got my Spawn? attention. No, not Spawn, although that did get a little bit of uh, ripples when McFarlane announced the rated R version of, of Spawn coming back. I'm talking about the terror that flaps in the night. He is the smoke that won't clear from the room. He is Darkwing Duck. I knew you were going to say that. As part of the new Disney XD DuckTales series that debuts, I believe, August 23rd or August 12th or somewhere in August. Yes. DuckTales, the revamped version, premieres on Disney XD. And Darkwing Duck will make an appearance in the series at some point. Now, this is big for... A lot of reasons. One is because kind of, I'm a kind of a super fan of Darkwing and DuckTales, so this is As like a dream are. come true. But also, notably, despite having Launchpad and Gizmo Duck in both of the original cartoons, they take place in separate universes. So everybody that can follow like superhero logic with alternate realities and parallel worlds, Darkwing and DuckTales take place in alternate realities. So this marks the first time that they're in the same place at the same time. So I think it's a backdoor pilot for maybe getting uh, Darkwing rebooted for, uh, on Disney XD. I don't know why they wouldn't if they're going to go the Scottish Indiana Jones uh, style with Scrooge McDuck, voiced by David Tennant. Why not uh, bring back uh, Darkwing for his whole 
uh, Batman superhero parody series that could be fun with some slapstick and St. Canard. I know you'll be tuned right into it. You'll be right in front of the television watching every episode. I know that's something definitely as uh, by time that we spent together, I know that you're a big fan of, and I know you're definitely would be looking forward to that. Indeed. I also yeah. know that Josh Peterson was also excited for Hey Arnold and Rocco's modern life, uh, returning back to the small screen as well. As far as those 90s shows seem to be coming alive once again, mm-hmm. you know, it's the old adage in Hollywood, man, you know, if we can't think of something new, let's just reboot something. You know, let's just take something that worked before and give it new life. Exactly, exactly. Until we, you know, wring the towel dry on it, so sort to speak. So, yeah. definitely some things to look forward to uh, when it comes to what was announced at Comic Con. I know Stranger Things. People uh, are just so excited about that, and and that came off so well. Uh, I believe at at Comic Con that trailer just just really just. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it or Justice League second trailer yet. Again, today and uh, tomorrow were supposed to be my big catch-up days. Haven't got there yet. I know people said, oh, well, the Justice League trailers now, now it's looking good. Now they're learning something from what Wonder Woman did. I don't know. Well, Josh said it's the old case of I think they're showing too much uh with him uh, the, you know that's what he thought i think it's it with justice league i think they need to show as much as they can because the uh the unfamiliarity people have with with uh cyborg and aquaman as far as they don't really have that that affiliation yet on on screen like they do with wonder woman superman batman of course and and uh you know they, they need to become more familiar with those characters and i like the point of view from flash where well I'll, I'll let you leave be and we'll, we'll save that for another conversation for another day. I like the way they utilize flash from what I've seen in the film so far. So um, it, it looks like it's going to be shaping up pretty good indeed. And as we head towards November, when it releases, definitely uh, excited for that as well. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, okay. I mean, you're, you've kind of got me a little excited now to check out justice league. You, you reignited some hope in there. Didn't uh, think there was much hope after, uh, Batman v Superman. I still haven't seen Wonder Woman, though. I'm kind of cautious. I'm a little, uh, you know, spandex, uh, you know, burnt out on on the whole superheroes and capes. So, well, there are some who superhero fatigue. I, I can clearly understand that with the audience out there, but obviously the movie uh, industry is betting against it. Uh, so because they're just lining up everything from Deadpool two to, you know, just just so many different things. X Men coming back again. Uh, in the near future as yeah. well. So. Dark Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, my gosh, they're just, I think there is some superhero fatigue, but at the point where, it's not at the point where it's going to be something that's going to stop them at least from from at least releasing it. I think until the end of the decade, there's still going to be a regular release schedule of, of these movies. So for those who are kind of sick and tired already of superhero movies, you're just going to have to grin and bear it for just a little while longer. Uh, well, if you out there have any thoughts on Comic-Con itself or any of the superhero movies coming up, we're actually going to talk about a couple more after the break. But if you have any thoughts on the latest barrage of Comic-Con trailers that were that came out, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmos, Game Source, and also Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. It's going to be a great show here today. You got a great announcement as well from from Rob coming up as far as some some Steam keys that he might be. Oh, uh, we yes. got a giveaway maybe, huh? Yes, yes. For the great game, Tiny Rails, indeed. That, so we're definitely looking forward to that, indeed. He's going to be uh, announcing a couple on the air, and it's first come, first serve for those 
Plus, also our friends at the TV Ratings Guide, they're going to be stopping by near the end of the show for a few minutes just to talk even more about television programming because you know those guys out, guys and gals out there, they love talking uh, some great TV indeed. But first off, we're going to be talking a little bit more about James Bond in the show and also as well some Captain Marvel and Black Panther. That's coming up. But right now, this is a song from Hyper Schmidt, and this is the PCC Multiverse. I needed the truth. I'm looking for you. I'm waiting for you. I know that I found a song in the sound. A moment for me. I've tried every key. She needs you more than you know. To know she won't be let go. We're so much more than their goals. A keeper. The ground will stay soft for long. I cannot sleep when she's gone. Just wrote a song to free her. You walled your heart up when you buried it deep. You closed your eyes and then forgot where you sleep. I'll find a way to tunnel underneath. I will find you, find you, find you, find you. Now you're there. With the smoke in your eyes Yeah, you're scared Cause you fell to the side You know I'd never lie And with this promise I make My words are not gonna break I don't care how long it takes I'll be there And it was you all along The one who gave me my song All of this pain makes me strong I'll be there You walled your heart up when you buried it deep You closed your eyes and then forgot where you sleep I'll find a way to tunnel underneath I will find you, find you, find you, find you You walled your heart up when you buried it deep You closed your eyes and then forgot where you sleep Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. 
Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop. Culture, Cosmos, and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. You're doing this on purpose. I am. You indeed. haven't I'm... done that for weeks, and I feel like you're bringing it back because I'm uh, just for you, my friend. I am here along with my good friend. He is the world-renowned director of <laughs> Missy Mom, Nintendo Quest, and so many others. He is a producer from Tiny Titan Studios. It's Rob McCallum and. And before we continue, Rob, with our discussion of even more superhero Cape Crusader type movies, tell me what's going on with your new role as a producer with Tiny Titan Studios and all the great stuff coming down from that great game studio. Well, I don't know how much I can share um, because, you know, we've got a lot of top secret projects. Uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff brewing. Uh, so as, as Gerald mentioned, I, I'm a filmmaker kind of first and foremost and, and still making films. I'm in post-production on uh uh, the Kitty documentary, uh, which we just signed distribution papers for, which is great. And we'll be announcing our premiere soon. Uh, I'm also in post on Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And of course, Box Art, uh, the, the story behind the, the covers of video games that we love and, and want to get to know the artists who are responsible for them and what the stories are behind those, those great images and how that came to be and how the evolution of Box Art has changed over time. So very much still a filmmaker, but I have recently moved back to my homeland of Canada, A. Eh? Gerald and I met while I was living in Las Vegas, and now I'm back in London, Ontario, the forest city of Canada. And I get to work uh, alongside uh, a couple of journeymen that I've known for a while, Glenn Stanway, who was part of the Nintendo Quest crew, and uh, my good friend Jeff Evans, who was part of the Power Tour. He was in Austin with us. He came down for the trek to help sling some discs at the table and showcase the movie and just be a part of the experience. So Jeff is uh, the owner of Tiny Titan Studios, and for the most part, they do free-to-play, casual, yet exciting, retro-aesthetic mobile games. So uh, Dash Quest is a, is a massively popular Zelda Link to the Past kind of endless runner uh, action RPG that we have a massive uh, like daily average user in the thousands. So when we go through the support emails for that, it, it's really interesting to see how many people are playing and just reaching out to say hi. And uh, that's probably you know still considered our flagship title. So if you like endless runners with RPG elements and Legend of Zelda, check out Dash Quest on iOS or Google Play. And then in December last year, on the same day that Mario Run uh, launched, Tiny Titan Studios launched Tiny Rails, which is a casual train simulator done in the pixel retro aesthetic. And uh, there, there's nothing more charming than watching this little pixelized train just kind of Choo choo choos to ride the rails all around the world at this point. And choo choo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in Tiny Rails, you basically take over your grandfather's train company and help him kind of for with one last hurrah as you ride the rails and build up your your rail kind of tycoon empire. And you've got to you know combat with other rail companies that don't like you going from upstart to uh, empire. And you basically try to race against the clock in some cases. You 
load cargo and ship it from city to city. You can upgrade your trains that you have. You can get crazy wacky trains. We just had a nice Miyazaki homage with the kitty cat bus engine and caboose. We have a pizza car, a taco car. And we have lots of real life inspired engines as well. So if you're a train fanatic, if you like collecting, you'll like this game. If you like just kind of like the journey and the road trips, you'll you'll love this. We got pixelized weather and snow and rain and dust storms and day and night cycles. And when you put your phone away, um, the game keeps playing. So you can you know set your waypoints, you know set up everything you want to do with your train, and go off and do what you got to do for the day, and pick up your phone later, and you'll be at the station ready to kind of pick up where you resume. And you've interacted with so many fans so far, as far as on your Twitch streams, I believe, as far as connecting with them and getting their ideas for for cars in the future to be coming to the game as well. Correct? Yeah, very much so. We're very uh, we're very hands on with our community. One of the reasons I was brought in was to kind of take over PR, marketing, and, and community outreach, in addition to uh, writing and, and production skills. So. Um, it's been great to really ignite the fan base and hear what they have to say and what they want to contribute to the, the game and where they want to see it go. Uh, so when we uh, when Tiny Titan announced that it was that it was successfully greenlit through Steam's Greenlight program in, in January, which has now since been abandoned in terms of uh, in in the way how things can get on Steam, but we were greenlit uh, in January. And so when time came to put the game on Steam, we really listened to fans and, and asked them what they want because you can't just have a casual game. Or a play session when somebody wants to sit down in front of a box and start playing you know it's no longer a passive thing so we added a ton of stuff and now you got to clean your train you got to repair your train your your train cars level up the further that they go and there's coin collection that you got to keep an eye on so there's a lot of plates spinning now and it's much more uh, a simulation game than a casual sim i would say and uh, you just really got to keep your eye on, on what's going on with your train and, and your loadouts are going to matter a little bit more too and, and where you go and what you want to do with them. So sounds very intriguing indeed. And uh, I've obviously seen quite a bit as far as not only the mobile version, but definitely looking forward to to getting my hands on as far as the Steam version as well. But you, I think you mentioned that you're going to give some people a chance out there, uh, at least a couple people out there a chance to... to get behind the wheel and lay down some yeah. tracks and, and I I would love I love that we've got two keys to give away on the show the game is uh, still a beta build it goes live on Steam on Tuesday August 8th so that'll be like the the final kind of retail version and we'll update with major updates down the road like so when mobile updates like a big section we'll bring that content over to Steam uh, August 8th is the day for everybody out there we don't know the price point quite yet but we do have two keys to give away on today's episode. Uh, you'll be able to redeem these keys right away. It's first come, first serve. So whenever you hear this, I'm hoping you've got your pen. I'm hoping you've got your paper and that you take down the, these numbers and letters. And hey, if you hear these, you should try them anyways. Because you never know, somebody might not have wrote the numbers down correctly. Or somebody may not have hit redeem. Who knows? I don't know. But I've got two keys to give away. For Tiny Rails on Steam, this is the beta version if you access it like ASAP. It'll be the retail version if you wait till August 8th. So here we go. We're going to announce the first key. What do you think, Gerald? Should we do it or should we hold off? Uh, Dad, let's just start with one, the first key. How about that? Yeah, we're, 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 there going to be two keys. Don't worry. We'll do one now and we'll do one later. There you go. And if, well, before you go ahead, I just want to say thank you on behalf of Pop Culture Cosmos to both yourself and Tiny Titan Studios for allowing us the opportunity to to ingratiate our fans with uh, and listeners out there with 
with a chance to give something back to them. So we truly appreciate it. Uh, of course. I mean, that's what uh, connections and friends do, right? That's the whole point. I just tell you right now, it's just truly an honor. appreciate it. And I wish you all the best again from Pop Culture Cosmos. Not only continued success with Tiny Rails, which, you know, like you said, August 8th, it'll be coming to Steam, is correct? August 8th. 8-8. What a number. Yeah. 8 see what, see what we did there? All right. Here's the first key. Okay. I'll, I'll put a drum roll. I'll add a drum roll and post for you on that. Okay, here we go. The first key. N as in Nintendo. 7, the number 7. G as in Game Source. D, Q as in Dash Quest. N7GDQ is the first set of numbers. The second set of numbers, seven, F as in Final Fight, T as in Tekken, X as in Xenoblade, K as in, I don't know, something that begins with K, Kerbal, Kerbal Space Program. There we go. Seven F T X K. The third set of numbers and symbols and letters. Six, the number six, M as in McCallum, Q as in Quest, W as in Will Wheaton, Q as in Quest. All right, so I'm going to read the whole thing back. N7GDQ, 7FTXK, 6MQWQ. Once again, N seven G D Q seven F T X K six M Q W Q. And that will get you into playing some tiny rails, the Steam version that's coming very soon on August the eighth to Steam. Uh, just uh, awesome indeed. And if you didn't get a chance to to type it in or it didn't come up and some looks like somebody's already taken it, that's okay. We've got one more code to give away at the end the final segment of the show. So definitely looking forward to that indeed. So we truly and appreciate hey, it. Hey, here's the thing. Even if you miss out on both codes, it's free to play on mobile. Free to play. There isn't a massive paywall. Like seriously, you can experience this game with quite the healthy appetite on iOS or Google Play. Oh, that's great indeed. Uh, definitely is a game worth playing. And if also, if you want to check out their Twitch feed as well with Tiny Titan Studios, please do so. Cause then you can also ask questions about the game and we wish you all the best with that in upcoming games. And when we come back, we're going to be talking again about some Cape Crusaders that really I didn't get a chance to talk about on the Monday show that I want to delve into. And then also a little bit later in the show, the TV ratings guide will stop by and we'll ask also the question, Rob and I, is Daniel Craig coming back? to the 007 role, and should he come back to the role of 007? We'll ask and answer that question coming up later in the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Hey guys. Hi! Check out Rec Level 3. What's that? We're a gaming geek nerd culture fandom podcast. Ooh. Wow. And you can find us every Friday at 11.30 a.m. on reclevel3.com. Yay! And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, I said it straight. <laughs> you, you kind of, you, you abandoned it halfway through that time. You're like, Pop Culture Cosmos. 
I'm here along with my good friend. It's Rob McCallum, director of Nintendo Quest, Missing Mom, and a producer for Tiny Titan Studios. Glad to have him here filling in for Josh here today. I, I love that you've just been able to throw my new kind of role and title like seamlessly into that introduction like, like it's been planned for many a day already. Indeed. Well, I just try. I try my best to go ahead and make it as smooth as possible on those uh, promos for other smooth people. Smooth so. like silk. Just like uh, for Josh Peterson, don't forget to check out his show, Attack of the Humanicans, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. I like, uh, Speaking of Josh, I think I saw a cover for a new book that he's got. What's the deal with that? It is something I guess he wrote in the past and said he, quote unquote, forgot about it. And I guess he's going to be uh, releasing it sometime in the near future. I believe it's called okay. The Conjurer's Daughter. Sounds about uh, right. And then I know he has uh, Congratulations, You Suck, which is the one of the all-time greatest titles in the world. Uh, that will be coming out later this year. You know, And I know he's got a lot of stuff on his plate, including all the, the podcasts that he has out there. So check out his work on Humanica Media on Facebook and also the various forms and channels that he has, including Podbean, Podcast.com, and YouTube as well. So Rob, I want to ask you, Captain Marvel, that was announced as far as really more details than has been given before in regards to the movie. Uh, first off, Carol Danvers, as far as in the movie, is going to be in the 90s, where I guess it, her origin of Captain Marvel gets created. Your thoughts on that? And then also uh, Samuel L. Jackson returning to the role of Nick Fury, but in the 90s before he gets into the incident where he loses an eye. Well, I mean, uh, I think they're really banking on Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, as to be like the Marvel version of um, Wonder Woman. I think they're going to pivot her to like a huge leading role um, for the Avengers going forward. We saw the last time we saw like a real kind of period piece was uh, Captain America, First Soldier. Uh, that was obviously in the 40s, and that did a lot of character work to set up Steve Rogers now. I think flashing back to the 90s when we see uh, Carol Danvers essentially become Captain Marvel is a way to pivot her and her experience to like phase three of the Avengers kind of saga or the MCU. Phase four, I think. Is it phase four officially? I think, I, I I get think it's phase four. With, with how but, that works. So like the next echelon of heroes, you know, Black Panther, maybe Bucky, you know, whoever's part of that next kind of rung down for the for the Avengers, Ant Man and Wasp, obviously. Uh, well, that, it, Spider -Man. And Wasp segue in between the Infinity Wars films, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay. Well, that, uh, I, I know Michelle Pfeiffer was announced as being part of the cast. I know that's something that we talked about on the previous show, but I believe that comes out between both, as far as it's concerned. But I do want to ask. Uh, you know, it looks like to me that that's a great way to segue her in there. Although she will not be part of this upcoming Infinity Wars movie. Didn't say Infinity Wars 2, just said the Infinity War movie she will not be a part of, I guess. Um, which is kind of disappointing to me because I, I thought it would be kind of nice to see her in a, in a now setting and then understand where she came from in her own movie. But I understand maybe showing too many different pieces at, at one time with Infinity Wars coming up. So I get that. But one piece that will be involved in the Infinity Wars and one person who will actually have his uh, movie, and it's not an origin movie, and I'm thankful for that, is Black Panther. So your thoughts on the Black Panther film coming in February? I'm kind of actually relieved that it is not going to be an origin piece and that it actually shows him after the events of Civil War. Here, here's my gut reaction 
it's it's a good and a bad gut reaction to both Captain Marvel and Black Panther. They're positioning these two characters to have these to have some pretty prominent roles, and these are obviously what I would call uh, films that have leads that are not uh, white male, muscly, burly guys. You know, this is like let's push maybe some something that would be considered a minority to the forefront and make those characters important to maybe reinforce the box office revenue, maybe to reinforce that these characters are important. Now, it kind of sucks that studios have to do that to kind of place important story moments for people to kind of consider these characters valuable because they aren't the the, the male Thor or or Captain America and stuff like that. I think it's great that uh, characters of different diversities and, and genders get to have that lead role. I just hope that it's not kind of a ploy for the wrong reasons to have to push these characters forward. I think these are great characters that have a, have a really cool history. And I just want to make sure that they're, that they're respected and loved for the right reasons and not for some sort of gender equality statement that must be done in cinema today or to try to trick audiences. You know what I well, mean? Yeah, I know. I understand completely. As long as they're not trying to shoehorn in, in stuff because they feel they have to. And I don't yeah. think in this case that they are. In fact, I think, if at all possible, you know, what they're not showing is that, that it will help lead, you know, uh, the general audience into what's going to be taking place just a few months after in the Infinity War movie itself in, that comes out in May. So I'm hoping that they'll do the right things with the Black Panther movie and not only create that whole environment of Wakanda that's always been such a mystery uh, for the general audience at large, but also as well, you know, shape how important Black Panther's role will be in the upcoming Infinity Wars. If it does that, then it accomplishes its goal for Black Panther and obviously should alleviate many of those concerns that you do have, correct? Yeah, uh, it's, it's just got to fit well. And I hope it's not, like you said, shoehorned and like willed into place and that the stories are quality and crafted well that respect the canons and really open people's eyes to like, yeah, this can be cool for this character. I don't know nothing about, and it isn't like a Hollywood political agenda. That's my concern, especially with the success of wonder woman, you know, kind of overshadowing all this. Well, does Marvel need their own kind of wonder woman in their version, which is you look at captain Marvel and her powers. It's pretty identical to wonder woman. What I think might happen with all this stuff. And I kind of like that, you know, we go back to the nineties and we see, you know, Nick Fury without the eye patch. But I think we're going to find out that he's a scroll and a shapeshifter. And the Nick Fury that we know now in present day isn't Nick Fury. Well, that, that's definitely a great theory indeed. That's uh, definitely a possibility. And I hope you're wrong. Uh, but yeah, nothing is out of the realm of possibility when it comes to Marvel. In fact, with obviously what we're seeing in the uh, the comic book series, the, the Secret Empires with Captain America turning to the dark side with Hydra yeah, uh, and seeing how popular, quote unquote, that has been with fans. Definitely uh, Marvel's willing to push the button on anything, including uh, beloved characters such as Nick Fury as well. So what are your thoughts out there, everyone, on Captain Marvel and also Black Panther? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos game source and humanican media on facebook and twitter as well coming up right after the break it's the tv ratings guide with some thoughts for the week on uh, some tv going on and also uh, some some serious talk as far as 
Jess's take on, on suicide and suicide prevention, and then also some good TV talk as well. This is a PCC Multiverse. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. And speaking of tuning in, we're back. And who better to have on the show from the TV Ratings Guide than two of our favorite writers? It's Jessica Boggs and Bridger Cunningham. How are both of you doing today? Doing pretty good. All right. All right. Doing wonderful. Sweet, sweet. That, that's great indeed. We truly appreciate you both being part of the broadcast here today. I know I, you send this out to your awesome site, which has a ton of readers and ton of followers. That's the TV Ratings Guide. Uh, I also want to mention out there, not only should you follow them on the tvratingsguide.com website, but also their Twitter and Facebook account at the TV Ratings Guide. I'm telling you, it's so easy. It's just awesome if you just follow them on Facebook, as I do a lot. And and when you see that the articles that you want to follow, bing, 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 pops right, right up. You just click on it, and all their great stuff is right there for you. In fact, before I go into some of the summer programming and whatnot, because I know that's a big topic you wanted to talk about on today's show, I know, Jessica, you had an issue in regards to a, a subject that's very near and dear to to my co-host Josh Peterson's heart, and that's on mental health and mental awareness, especially after the after the unfortunate de- uh, suicides that have taken place recently. Is that correct? Yeah, especially with Lincoln Park and his- of course, and and obviously the lead singer of Lincoln Park uh, passed away, fortunately uh, due to a suicide. So uh, tell me a little bit about the article itself what you were trying to focus on and, and where can they find that article itself well i did a justice take on the issue and i put the a story about lincoln park and the lead singer and whatnot but i also thought about my own personal struggles with anxiety absolutely and, and this is a very serious issue indeed and josh peterson has championed that issue that it should be in the forefront of people's conversations and not just relegated to you know side talk or or when somebody just just some when somebody passes away unfortunately from a suicide and and definitely uh, if you have uh, any type out anybody out there that has something that that they feel is is worth doing something like that tragically please instead of going that route you please you want to contact the the uh, suicide prevention hotline. That's a, that's a toll-free number. Talk to them. There, there's some. You know, I'm sure they're great people as far as trying to work out those issues. Indeed. So, if there's, if you're interested at all in in suicide prevention and also the mental health awareness state, please check out her article on the TVRatingsGuide.com. That's the TVRatingsGuide.com. So uh, enough of that seriousness for, for right now. I want to talk a little bit about some summer programming because I know you're going to be back here in about a month or so talking about all the great things that are going on in fall TV. So we'll just put that to the side uh, and save that for another, another episode. But we want to talk some summer programming because you asked me to come on the show to talk some real great summer shows and some ones that maybe have disappointed both of you in what your thought as well. So before we go any further, and something I, I have uh, yet to talk about on the show, 
whenever you, you know the great people from the tvraiseguide.com is we always talk about uh, 0.8 or, or 1.8 and what you were talking about Jessica uh, can you tell us exactly when you break when you break down the numbers for your folks on the tvratingsguide.com and also for our audience here listening today you know, what does that percentage come out to as far as the audience and the homes? And, and when they talk about the importance of the, the demographics, exactly those, what do those numbers really translate into in layman's term for, for the regular audience out there that, that you know, doesn't keep up to date with the points and all that? And why should they even you know, care about, about the ratings as far as from a standpoint of uh, a point A to a 1.0 or whatnot? Well, basically, it's just the percentage of people in the 1849 demographic, which is the advertiser's target demo for broadcast. Basically, that's the percentage of Americans on a Nielsen family, and they that's the percentage of people that are watching a single program at a given time. Well, very well said indeed and uh, that's obviously the key is the 18 to 49 demographic to target those audiences because obviously they're the most likely to spend the most money on products that are shown on television i'm almost reaching out of that demographic which is sad indeed so um i won't even go there but anyway the most elusive out of the pack because typically the ones that spend the most money are actually 50 to 75 however 18 to 49 year olds are tough to capture because they're on the move. They're always, their tastes change from moment to moment. So this those are the, that's why, that's why the uh, ratings tend to target the 18 to 49 demographic. Uh, fair enough. Indeed, that's well explained uh, by you, Bridger, as well. So I definitely appreciate it to enlighten our audience on the, the percentages and whatnot, because that's a key. So, so I'll ask you, Jessica. Uh, some of the shows, the, the traditional shows uh, for um, game shows have, have really uh, come on strong this summer. So how are they actually doing in fair against the other competition that's out there? Well, it seems like the, the Sunday game shows are doing a little better than the, on the average-wise, than the Thursday shows. But overall, the gong show may be older skewing, but, it's, but it and Battle of the Network Stars are pulling it. Battle of the Network Stars, the Gong Show, host with with, uh, Mike Myers, who's not trying to be Mike Myers on the show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, Also, what, the Million Dollar Pyramid. So, and then uh, uh, Candy Crush. Candy Crush. Obviously, as a a gaming enthusiast, I got to ask you, how is Candy Crush uh, performing as well on the show? Well, it went fractional at week two, though. I think it's a point eight. Basically. Not too bad, I guess, for summer programming indeed. So definitely uh, something uh, that could be worth another shot in another year for you. So I'll tell you what, as as a, uh, you know, uh, someone who also follows Netflix and what they do as well, Netflix seems to be for a company that always seems to be teetering uh, as far as as profitability there, the whole industry as a whole it wants to know what netflix is always up to with its programming jessica um are you familiar with what some of the shows on netflix are doing strong uh, i know stranger things at this weekend at comic-con was a huge success as far as the trailer there and i know people are really excited for when it comes out this halloween but are there some other 
Netflix programming that, well, maybe not Adam Sandler related, that are really doing strong on the network that you want to make sure everybody gets to hear about and know about as well? Orange is the New Black. That's one of their biggest shows. And on their show, sitcoms, it's Fuller House is doing okay, respectively. Netflix doesn't even release the viewership numbers publicly. Yeah, and that's, that's a shame that they don't because you can see then and get a gauge idea uh, what would be strong indeed. I know they don't really tell you anything about numbers uh, or about what does well and what doesn't do well in the program until they're usually when they report to their shareholders. One final thought before we uh, head on out. Just want to ask your thoughts on, on the summer season so far. What are some, some great things to look forward to heading into the fall? And what are some of the shows that you want to talk about as we uh, move forward with the summer program here today? Frankly, I, well, everybody will learn this when they go through my articles. I'm kind of a sitcom junkie, so there's going to be a couple of revivals this season. We'll have Will and Grace, and then we'll have Roseanne as well. So, Indeed. Uh, it seems like the 90s revisited with, uh, with both of them coming back on the air. So uh, my 20s are coming back into uh, focus right now. I hope it's a good thing. I hope they're able to relive the magic per se. I think of the two, I think uh, Will and Kate will, will, I think they suffice better. They've already tested out obviously with those shorts that they've done already. So I think they've done very well there. And, and of the two, I think probably will translate better to a modern audience, but that's just my guess so far. Uh, Jessica, any last thoughts on what you're looking forward to? for the rest of the summer and, and going into the fall as well. I mean, we're going to get everyone back on from the TV ratings guide for a big fall preview show, like I said uh, earlier, back later this year. But what are some of the things you're focusing on as we uh, uh, head on out here today? I'm pretty interested to see the rest of the ratings play out between MTV and CMT as they're both Viacom networks. Even though they say one network is how what network does uh, should affect the other. But since they're both owned by Viacom, I think cable may have different expectations. I'll see how the, the Throwdown Thursday lineup of, on MTV is stabilizing the 11 p.m. It seems to have gone pretty well in the Chris McCarthy era. No, that, that's uh, good to hear an MTV versus a country music channel. That, that... Uh, I won't go there as far as the uh, the musical comparisons are concerned. It, uh, I'll just say uh, a revival of MTV uh, is is long overdue, uh, you know, because MTV once held the roost as being the way back when, and, and when music videos were were alive back on uh, broadcast or cable television, and now music videos are now a staple of the YouTube generation. So. Definitely uh, uh, would be nice for MTV now that they've become very heavily reliant on, on reality programming to, to gain a foothold back into uh, television at homes once again. Oh, back to the old days. You know, because it's, it's still very chic to go back to have programming that, that harkens back on the 80s and 90s. I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, a movie I did a review on, on uh, for the tvratingsguide.com and also as well popculturecosmos.wordpress.com had a lot of 80s and 90s references as well. So it's definitely still cool to do so. And, and obviously we're going to be getting Roseanne and Will and Kate 
back from that era and then uh, uh, even more as well. So uh, looking forward to it indeed and, and looking forward to having you both back on the show and also as well, uh, uh, hopefully many more guests from the tvratingsguide.com. That's the tvratingsguide.com. Also as well, check them out on Facebook and Twitter on the TV Ratings Guide. It is a great site, informational indeed, constantly updating every single day, several articles. Whether you just go back to the tvratingsguide.com and check them out and refresh and refresh for new stories and updates, or you just go through, I, I highly recommend, cannot recommend enough going through their Facebook or Twitter because you get the latest articles. They pop up right there and just click on it and you can just read there. So I highly recommend you following the TV Reigns Guide on Facebook and Twitter. So Bridger Cunningham and also Jessica Box, it's been truly a pleasure having you both on the show. Just great pleasure indeed talking some summer programming and I cannot wait to have you both on the show in the future in a few weeks when we talk a lot about the fall programming because i'm i already told jessica that we're going to devote a heavy chunk of the programs during that time on the fall preview indeed well thank you i appreciate that bridger as always we truly appreciate it jessica any last thoughts before we head on out i'm really excited for the for the fall lineup with the sitcoms and but i'm more interested on their drama lineups though to see if they're going to improve ABC's drama situation. But you know, historically you have, when ABC ruled the roost, it had also included expanded sitcom base. That's true. I mean, they were heavily sitcom reliant back in the day. So I appreciate both of you being on. Jessica, thank you so much. Bridger, thank, thank you so you. much. Appreciate you being both uh, part of the broadcast here today. It's Bridger Cunningham and Jessica Boggs. Please follow them on the TVRatingsGuide.com. This is a PCC Multiverse. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back to close out the show on the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. I just want to say thank you again to my good friend, Rob McCallum for, for sitting in today and because it was confirmed that James Bond 25 will be coming in November of 2019. It also has been confirmed as well that Daniel Craig, the man who once said he would slit his wrist before he would come back to the role of James Bond, is returning to the role of James Bond. Yeah, I, I believe the rumor was two film deal with producing credits for $75 million each. Well, that would do it for me. I know that I wouldn't, you know, hesitate to pick up another Walter PPK if if that was the case. So your thoughts on actually him taking the role up again and is it something you want to see him return to? Are are you still interested in Daniel Craig as 007? Yeah, you know, I think he's I think he's a solid bond. I think when it comes to his movies, it's all about the movies. The movies have to be good. I really still only like Casino Royale out of everything. Skyfall was okay. I, I mean, I know a lot of people think that's like one of the best Bond films of all time. It's okay. I don't. I don't love it more than Casino Royale by by a long shot. I kind of flip on those, but I mean, it's it's. But it's it's you know, Skyfall was a little bit better for me than Casino Royale. So Spectre was okay. It was better than Quantum of Solace. It it made Quantum of Solace better because it tied back into the events of it. 
I didn't like the opening of it, so I'll just say that. Yeah, I didn't like any the Mexico City sequence at all. I thought that was pretty weak. And they got a lot of uh, film credits to make that good, too, so that's interesting. Obviously, this sounds like a money grab, and when you have that kind of actor, you're a director. You've obviously directed a lot of uh, takes, including uh, you know a, a sci-fi film that's out there. And I, I just, as someone who has dealt with actors on a personal basis, when you have an actor that maybe won't have his heart 100% in it, what do you think that will be like for the next two films? Because I, I get the it, sense that that's going to be the case, and he's just there for those monetary. Yeah, he's just, he's just set dressing. Uh, well, the, the plots have got to intrigue him. They've really got to challenge him as an actor. It can't just be gunfights and, and car chases and explosions. And the problem with uh, where the Bond franchise is now is when they did Casino Royale, they made the decision, okay, we're going to reboot it. We're going to introduce 007 to the world, and that's that. Now that we're like four films into it and onto a fifth and a possibly a sixth with the same Bond, is it still a reintroduction? Are we back on normal James Bond ground? So how does the Bond franchise again reinvent itself after four films, essentially for a new audience? Because it's been 10 years now since Casino Royale. I think 2006 was Casino Royale. Yeah. You know, so something's got to happen for Bond. I don't think it's a reboot, but I think they've really got to nail these scripts. They got to have an important story to tell. And if they do have two pictures left with Daniel Craig, do they do a part one, part two? And it's also the fact that, you know, they don't have, like we've already dealt with Spectre. We've already dealt with all the familiar names within the Bond franchise for the most part. So I think they've got to kill them. That's what they have to do. They have to kill 007. And instead of rebooting it as James Bond, a new 007 has to take the moniker and the name. So that's our thoughts on the 007 franchise and where it's going. What are your thoughts on Daniel Craig returning to the role of James Bond and another James Bond film? Just share us your thoughts at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Humanica Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. So we've come to actually the end of the program. And just before we head on out, I think you do have that magical Steam code to give away for, again, Tiny Rails, which is coming out from the great Tiny Titan Studios, coming out August 8th on Steam Early Access. Yeah, Tiny Rails, August 8th. Uh, here is your Steam key. You can check it right away and uh, get in on the beta. Here it comes. Got the pens and papers ready, I hope. You know, congratulations to whoever redeems it first. The first set of numbers and letters are X, as in Xenoblade, Z as in zebra, three W as in Will Wheaton, and the number six. X, Z, three, W, six. The second set of numbers and letters are five, six, four, six, B. Five, six, four, six, B as in beta. And the third set of numbers and letters are A, M as in McCallum, three, D as in dash, and L as in this has been lovely. AM3DL. So the whole code again is XZ3W6 5646B AM3DL. Again, our appreciation for everything that, that you gave us here today, Rob. It's been great having you on the program. One last plug for all the stuff you got coming up. It's the, the floor is all yours, my friend. Power Grayskull will open up to backers again soon for everybody that missed the first round of funding through Kickstarter. Same with box art, although a little bit later, the Kitty documentary 
a heavy metal band from uh, Canada that has been worldwide famous and toured with Ozzy and sold millions of albums. That film comes out soon as we literally sign distribution papers today. And check out all the titles from Tiny Titan Studios, Tiny Rails, Dash Quest, and some very cool stuff in the future. So for Rob McCallum, this is Gerald Glassford. And once again, we just truly appreciate you being part of the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey guys, it's Rob McCallum. Uh, we're here at the Level Up Expo. I'm joined alongside with Mr. Glenn Stanway. Greetings and have, salutations. And we have a special guest here, Gerald Glassford from YourGameSource.com. Gerald, nice to see you again. Of course, I've been away for the last two weeks. I know. Glad you're around. Um, thanks you, for joining us. You are the world traveler, my friend. I'm hoping that ends very soon. <laughs> I'm. Uh, Anna, I, Anna? Are we got films to shoot. Yeah, I, I gotta feel get that's going. Not ending. There you I'll, go. I'll, I'll let you guys talk while I go shoot another project I'm about to greenlight. Uh, well, this is Gerald Glass from, from YourGameSource.com. Um, you know, well, one of the sites that, that has truly tried to embrace Rob and, and all the great projects that he's done and, and how we tried to do what we can to support his, his great causes, not only for, for, for Glenn and, and Jay and you, uh, as well yes. as for all the great stuff you guys do, but uh, you know, going forward, you know, looking at that. I remember two years ago, we were here, actually yep. just a couple rows down, and this was uh, a little bit smaller here at the Level Up, Level Up Expo. So. It's, it's grown. It's actually surprising to see how big it's grown in those two years. Yes, yes. They didn't have a stage. They didn't have as many, you know, booths or whatnot. I remember when I came here, I wasn't planning on doing very much. And then they said, well, here, we've got a whole, almost a whole aisle for, full of booths here. Pick one. So, yeah. Okay, I'll just go ahead. And I sat down. We had a couple interesting conversations with some other people. And then there was, I was approached by one of my friends, uh, I think it was Chris, he said, hey, I got this director guy. This director guy wants to, said it's okay to talk to him. All right, well, what's, what's, uh, what's he doing? Oh, uh, some kind of Nintendo quest. Okay, uh, well, let's go sit down, we'll talk to him. And look at two years later. Here we are. Here we are. We haven't really moved on up that much. <laughs> I don't remember where I was two years ago. Uh, I wasn't in Las Vegas. No, we hadn't started GamerCast yet. No, we had not. It was just before GamerCast started. It was just before. It was about two months before GamerCast. Back in those Halcyon days. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Mason Kramer was here with me, and we were interviewed uh, by your, your staff. Absolutely, and we were uh, privileged to do so. Uh, it's still available online in its entirety. Uh, but I want to ask you guys this. Sure. And I'll start off with you, Rob. It's been two years. Yeah. How has the Nintendo Quest experience? Looking back, it's—I it's, don't want to say it's—it's it's officially 
because it's not in rearview mirror, it's still a part of it today. You're still in it today, but it's getting closer to the end than, you know, as far as it's concerned, the Nintendo Quest, um, how should I say, phenomena. Looking back on it now, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, it's just really nice to see how far we've gone. Of course, we've released the feature film. Uh, we've fulfilled um, most of our Kickstarter promises. We are in the final stages of the last one, which is, of course, fulfilling the game that we're developing uh, on based on the film. And now we've released the Power Tour as well, which was us touring the film around. Uh, it's pretty cool to see how far we've come. And, of course, coupled all in around that is 100 episodes of GamerCast that, that we've done, which, have, which has really taken us in a lot more areas than the promotional origins, which we thought. Wouldn't you say, Glenn? I would say, Rob. Gerald, you were asking, you know, what it's like now that uh, Nintendo Quest is a little bit on autopilot. It's, it's that blessing and the curse that it's out in the final stage. People can actually watch it now. So the effort is all behind promoting it and pushing it. And part of that is the power tour, of course. And, and it's great that it's out there. Um, it's, uh, it, I don't know if I've got enough perspective on it yet. It's been... Nintendo Quest and GamerCast have been so much a part of my life for these last two years. It's really hard to think about the fact that there there won't be that for at least some period of time. Just between us getting the film out and, and sort of wrapping up the promotional push for it, and uh, you know taking a hiatus from GamerCast and sort of reflecting on on what that's been and, and what it might be. Uh, it's I just say, weird to think about that. Well, when I say for both of you, Nintendo Quest and GamerCast has led to so many different, you know, has opened so many doors for both of you. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I believe anything that you do will always lead to other things, um, whether that's personal decisions to go in a different direction or from outsiders coming in saying, yeah, I like what that guy did. I want to work with him. How can we partner up? Or even just straight up like business opportunities to... I know people are developing products for Nintendo Quest in that brand that they want to license that name from us in order to help push other things. So there, there's a lot of gears that are always turning in. And it is strange because, you know, our hands are a little bit tied at this point. Like, how do we keep pushing things going forward? And, and how do we keep the life cycle going without letting it die? And that's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a mind shift in that it's not over. You can't think of that it's dying because it's always going to be out there. We'll always be the people that's part of that. You know? Yeah, and it's one thing that I always stress to Jay a lot. I'm like, you know, just because, you know, we shot Nintendo Quest three years ago, we shot that, which is a long time. It's only been out for a little past six months. Regardless of what he does next month or next year, he'll always be the guy that did Nintendo Quest. And uh, that says a lot more than, you know, you think. And it's something I've, I've asked before, but it's even... Uh I guess hits home a little bit more now. I had a chance to talk to Jay a little bit earlier this week and, um, about some various things, his cosplay, his other interests, whatnot. But I want to talk to you guys because you know him so well. Uh, you know, because you, you see him constantly. Um, yeah. Up, we we talk to him constantly, yep. even though you two are on different uh, in different countries now. Um, Tell me how he has grown since the filming of the movie. I know I've touched on it a little bit, but I want I want to know more now that it's even more, like you said, three years since the film, since the the film has uh, you know, wrapped I'm up. I'm gonna let Glenn handle this one. How has he grown? Be honest, Gerald. It's I, I think I think Jay's still really even searching for an answer to that. I mean, I, I think this experience 
and I can speak to, to my own part in this as well because I see it reflected in Jay. We've gotten we've gotten a chance to do so many things because of this film and because of Rob's choice on how he wanted to promote this film that we've really had our eyes open to a much larger world than I think we were really aware of. And I think that that's opened some doors and it's also potentially presented some opportunities. And it's really just, it's really just trying to decide what that next step is and how to take it. I've, I've been very fortunate in that um, my role in, with the podcast and with the film has in a roundabout way helped me get into the game industry. And it's really helped me change my life in terms of my career and, and, and what I feel like going to work every day. And may I be one of the first to congratulate you on that as far as the Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, it's, it's been awesome to, to get that support from people. But uh, and, and Rob's obviously been able to, to pursue other projects. They've been sort of an extension and an evolution of what he's done in Nintendo Quest. So I think that's really the challenge is just trying to trying to see those opportunities and, and take advantage of them. And, and, that's, uh, and that's tough. And I think we're in that... We're in that stage now where, again, we are sort of winding down our promotional push on the film, and I think there is a little bit of a sense of all of us, and I think this is part of why we're doing the podcast hiatus, is we all sort of feel like we're in limbo a little bit, and we need to kind of take a step back and absorb all of this, and decide what we want to do with it going forward. I think I think we, we like the idea of having that that good kind of milestone where we can say, okay, great, we did this, we're proud to have done this. Now let's let's think about what that means for a little bit and kind of decide where we want to go from there. It's really strange because you know that you've done something special, but you don't know what that really means. And you know it's special because people respond to what you've done with sincere emotions and they bestow importance upon it. And why it's important to me might be why different compared to why it's important to you with Nintendo Quest specifically but you know that there's something special about that but putting your finger on why it's special is hard and I think you do need to take a step back and realize what why it is special and what it means to you and how it has changed you and like Glenn was saying one of the reasons that we want to step away from from GamerCast is to a not dilute what that is but truly understand what that is so we can regear and come back at it and I think Jay's in the same same boat where we're all just, we're happy with what we've done. Nintendo Quest is great now that it's in the kind of final stage, which is the hardest stage to get to. And it's, it's gonna just be nice to see how things unfold naturally from here. I, I know that's sort of a, it, it's a vague answer at best, but I mean, I, I think if you wanna boil it down to, it's like base level of simplicity. When you see what Jay's doing with, with his cosplay enthusiasm now, and, uh, and even Rocket Queen, the way yeah, that... Yeah, Guns N' Roses cover band. Like, these are all... He's taking cues from everything that we've done. And I don't want to speak on, him, on his behalf, but you asked us to speculate how he might have grown. I can see him very much take cues of what it means to be a producer, to organize stuff behind the things that he loves in order to make them bigger than his own individual passion. And this is a guy who's also... You know, taking some chances and and maybe being a little bolder about the things he's choosing to do than he might have, because he'd be the first to tell you when they were shooting Nintendo Quest. I don't think he, I, I don't think he felt they were necessarily telling a story he thought was going to be compelling. I know that he was really really worried about being interesting on screen. Yeah. So I think I think that experience really taught him a lot about 
how all of that work in the background produces something yeah. that might feel a little bit differently than it does at the time that it's happening. So, And I've just, from my times that I've been able to be fortunate enough to see the movie, um, I see that development of him as an individual on the screen, how he grew just in that short amount of time that you guys were filming, um, how he grew as an individual. It just, just makes the movie that much more satisfying a, a watch for, for anybody to easily identify with. Um, and I'll touch on that, uh, something a little bit on that a little bit in a later. That'll be my last question. Uh, but I want to touch on a couple things as far as the power tour. Okay. What, what experience for you guys that it has been. Um, actually, you know, I, I know that you've, you've been very uh, forthcoming as far as being able to put that out there as far as different into the different episodes, the different stages of where the motion got as far as from around the country and actually is also Canada as well. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that and then some of the later episodes that, that uh, you know that are still maybe not everybody's caught yet but definitely definitely do need to do so. Well, the power tour for those that don't know is uh, essentially uh, the journey of Jay and I and company taking the finished film Nintendo Quest around North America and what stitches all the all the episodes together it's not only the communities that we visit, the people that we interview, and the collections we see, but also more game hunting, where Jay and I are trying to knock off a list of 10 games that we'd like to see in our collection. Some are notable titles, some are just kind of the staples that you want. But when you tie in all those things together, more game hunting, uh, people of significance, uh, and, and stores of significance in the country, some of which that we had visited before, some of which were new to us, it really becomes something special. and. To be able to explore the subject matter that was uh, initially discussed in Nintendo Quest, but in a series-based format, was really refreshing to me because we could do more. We could focus the episodes more thematically, um, up in, across all eight episodes too, which was really nice. So we did release them online for free for a brief window, and then we had a deal in place that had us take them offline. But now you can get it on disc, and that's. One of the main reasons we're here at Level Up Expo, it's the first time in public that you can buy Nintendo Quest Power Tour on DVD and Blu-ray. With an exclusive ninth episode that's not available, has never been available online. And that's something I want to get to in a second. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Spoiler uh -oh. alert. Because, uh, as you know, Glenda, the, the Power Tour episodes take you along each stage of the journey. and. Um, I, for one, am grateful that I was along for part of that Episode journey. 2, MC at the uh, Vegas screening. Yes, without the microphone being turned on, but my, my loud voice actually projected through anyways. It's, it's a life skill, Gerald. It's there okay. It's a life skill. It'll serve you well. Trust me. <laughs> but starting from Beverly Hills, your, your quest through California, to, through Texas. California! Uh, through all the various stops. Las Vegas, of course, yeah. like you said in Episode 2. Um, I want to talk more about the later episodes. Sure. Um, you know, Portland, obviously coming home to London, Ontario, was very important for you both. Uh, your, your stop in Portland. And then that uh, we'll talk about the elusive and secretive and highly top secret ninth episode as well. But first off, let's talk about a little bit about your homecoming in London. Well, I think Glenn might have the most uh, objective uh viewpoint on that. For so, me, it was... 
I remember talking to you at that time about it, it being a little bit emotional for you as far as going back home and being able to present your work in that it, It's always a big deal for me, and I just premiered Missing Mom there uh, last weekend, and there's something I like about having that continuity and that opportunity to be able to present my work on a consistent platform and build that, that not fan base, but that expectations on you know, where people know that if I'm going to have a film, that there's a good chance that I'll be able to do this here with some sort of continuity to, to how I present my work and what my work means and the evolution of that. For me, going back home to London was, was great to be able to continue that tradition, but at the same time, it was really hard because when you go back home, as any of us do if you don't live at home, there's always the, the family quotient, the friend quotient, where you're trying to do all the visits and, and the hangouts and stuff, and we had people fly over from England. So as great as that was to be able to do it and celebrate with those people, it, it really complicated the, the filming aspects of the Power Tour. So it was, I, w I was torn between being able to really enjoy it and get the job done. And for you, Glenn, I know you were, especially in the London, uh, when, it, when the screenings were coming to London, I know you were a major part of the promotion there. Uh, tell us more about that type of experience for you. I don't know. I, I mean, you talk about me being part of the promotion, and I don't really look at it. I don't really look at it from that perspective of being that formal about it. Really, I just I, I did everything I could to try and help spread the word and, and share. But I mean, I think I think we were fortunate to have a really supportive group of folks in our hometown that were really, you know, hungry to see the finished product and really happy to support us in doing it so you know we had the backing of uh, FM 96 which is the local rock station in London Ontario um, you know we, we've been fortunate enough to make connections like that and, and just know the right people to kind of help us get that word out it's it's nice to be taken as like a legitimate artist but when you go to like the biggest station in town you say this is what we're doing are you interested in being on board and they see the trailer they see the community following they, they understand the significance without watching the film it's it's kind of refreshing that yeah you can do it if you put the nose to the grindstone and you know your work is good enough to make the cut people will believe in you and support you the tricky part for me about about the whole power tour really but this, this is no less true of london is it's really difficult for me to separate the screenings themselves from the experience surrounding the screening because there's there's so much that's happened around even what you see in the Power Tour episodes, I mean, Rob yeah. touched on uh, on our buddy Ian Hook visiting from, from England when we uh, we screened the film in London. And uh, and that was a big deal, and, and so much of that experience for me is tied around that chance of getting to meet a friend face-to-face -face for the first time and really, I don't know, really kind of develop that next step of our relationship just in terms of our friendship. Uh, I, I, was, I got to pick up Ian from the airport and we got a chance we got a chance to spend two hours in the car on the way back to London from Toronto chatting and catching up and really getting to know each other and that's an experience that uh, Robin and Jay didn't really get to have. Um, so so I, I feel I feel great for having you had that son chance. of a yeah. <laughs> But it's it's tough for me to separate that sort of peripheral stuff from just the actual screening itself. I can say the screening was was incredible. I mean we we, we ran late because we had so many people continuing to cram themselves into that theater. Yeah. There was a line out the lobby and back into the theater. It's a single screen theater 
the lobby area is about as wide as the booth we're at, so it's maybe 15 feet wide by 20 feet long, and the lineup was in the theater, through the lobby and back, kind of out to allow people to sit down, but we had to delay the screening by 10 minutes. For me, it was, uh, it felt like the, the, the biggest event of the Power Tour. And honestly, one of the reasons it felt that way is because we were premiering two trailers that night that nobody knew about. We premiered the, the teaser for Power of Skull and uh, the, the trailer for the Kitty documentary, Kitty Origins and Evolutions. So that was, that was pretty exciting to make it a complete show with a packed 400 person audience with stuff that nobody expected to see. I, I absolutely, and seeing that on screen was just a great experience. And I know uh, from my, my personal experience, seeing your notes, seeing the comments that you made, seeing the type of feedback that was given by locals in that area was just, just truly re you know, representative of all the love that they have for you and all the love that they have for Nintendo Quest as far as I'm concerned. Um, your next trip was to Portland. As far as the next episode there. Yeah, and the next to, episode, yeah. You went to a gaming expo, I believe, in Portland area, correct? We did. Yeah, yes. the, ep the episode itself is broken into kind of two halves. We are in Portland when it starts, but we flash back to brief stops in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and in Cleveland, Ohio, where there was also screenings. Uh, and those are really cool to, to meet those communities there. And it was that kind of a whirlwind, because we had the London screening. Four days later, I was in Edmonton. Two days later, I was back in Cleveland, and then three days after that, we were in Portland. So it was kind of like the marathon gauntlet. What sticks out about Portland to you, though? Whether it's the filming experience or, again, the experience the traveling. traveling. Yeah. Portland was probably my favorite stop on the entire tour, and at least part of that is because I didn't expect to go. Uh, I was initially not going to go to Portland. And then uh, at the last minute, Rob, you approached me about going because you just needed an extra pair of hands. Just in case. Some assistance with, with the booth and filming and, and that sort of thing. So um, so it was good for me because it was such a surprise, first of all. Um, secondly, I, I adore Portland. Portland is just an awesome city. I, uh, it, it's a beautiful city. Crap breweries everywhere, which is right up my alley. Uh, I, love, uh, I love the Western U.S., uh, I love the American Southwest, as I've discussed at length since I've been here. Uh, but I, I just—it's a beautiful part of the country. It's an awesome city. I really like the character of the city and the personality of the city. Uh, we got a chance to meet some friends again, face to face for the first time there. Uh, our good pal Josh Schmidt, uh, guys like uh, Murph J. Murphy, who helped support Nintendo Quest, uh, and his lovely wife. And it was just a. Uh, it was just a great experience, kind of putting faces to those. And that was the well. first time you got to see Doug and Nicole too. And it was the first time I got to meet Doug and Nicole from Retro City Games. We're a very big part of not only your life but also they, kind of everything we've done. They push Nintendo Quest. They're a key sponsor on the Power Tour. They're a key sponsor on GamerCast. Again, people that don't have to but choose to believe us because whether it, it helps them out as, as a sponsor with advertising or whether it's for the greater good, they just get it and it's rare to find people that, that they, are like and that. And they helped to come up with the, uh, the concept for, for Box Art, correct? Yes, very much so. Very much so. They're integral and they are producers on Box Art. I don't know if you want to segue to Box Art now or well, if you want to dive into the Power Tour. There is one thing I want to bring up first because I want to hear you talk about this. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. But we also got the chance to screen Nintendo Quest in this absolutely gorgeous classic movie house yeah. in Portland. How much did that mean to you? It's cool because I, like most of the places that we screen the film, 
I try to research it so I have a real understanding of the history where we're screening. A place like UNLV, which was of course was the campus room, a little bit different compared to this classic Hollywood cinema movie palace that had like, you know, the premiere of The Apartment, the premiere of Rocky, uh, Jaws, Star Wars, like back when cinema like had its like kind of second rebirth in the 70s with some real auteurs, this was the place in Portland that was screening it for the first time, in some cases, the first place on the West Coast outside of Hollywood to screen these films that I would say have impacted not just pop culture, but the world since. So to have Nintendo Quest kind of share the screen despite some modern renovations, it's, it's kind of a privilege. Again, it's like, wow, we made the grade for something like this. And the staff, welcoming, open arms, the, the Retro Gaming Expo connected us with them. Um, <laughs> they were quick to pay because we split the box office, which was great. They were very generous with concessions for us. And uh, they were just very accommodating, down-to-earth people that believed in what we wanted to do as as filmmakers. And that obviously was obviously a uh, very positive experience for you, sounds like, for both of you. I've got a question for Glenn. Glenn, did it hit you when you no, went I'm up on stage? I'm not answering any more questions. All right, no more questions around there. Uh, when you went up on stage, Glenn, for everybody that doesn't know, for the tours the stops that he was at was essentially the MC by default because I wanted to be introduced. <laughs> so I made Glenn go up there and kind of spittle around for a few minutes. Did go, you hey, realize? Hey, go, go on stage. Go say my name. Go yeah. say my name. Go say. Introduce me. Introduce me. I'm wearing sunglasses. I must be famous. Um, when you got on stage, did you realize that was the last time that you were introducing that? I don't really think it hit me. No, um, I really hadn't, and I hadn't done it in London. Right. Because, of course, FM 96 radio personality Sarah Burke MC'd in London, which was the other thing that was kind of neat about London is I got more of a chance to be part of the audience at that um, And I felt bad about that. I, I was on stage at the end, and you'll see in the Power Tour episode I'm up there. I don't think I said a word. No, but I feel bad about, like, taking you out. Because like, it gets to a point, and Jay and I get this way with interviews that we had done, where it becomes a little bit like an act, yeah. where we know what we're saying, the beats, and, and how to feel things out and put on this, the show. You know, we know how to set the circus. It's like any off. good band, you know how to play off each other. Yeah, yeah. there's a certain order of things that, that occur, and taking you out of that made it a little bit of a wild card because we had no idea what Sarah was going to say, but we got you back for Portland. It, it really didn't hit me until afterwards. I think it, it hit me the next day, it, shooting in the hotel room. Uh, as Jay was preparing to, to get ready to leave. Uh, and that's when I was kind of like, wow, we're not we're not doing this anymore. This is it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I still, seeing that on film, and what's interesting about that is the way you chose to, to set, we only had me operating camera, so he had another stationary camera somewhere else in the room. What's interesting about that to me is I'm actually in frame a lot of the time because it cuts back and forth between those two cameras. So, it really hits me every time I see that because I do get to see myself as part of what's happening as things really kind of start to come to an end. But that's essentially, in a nutshell, what I wanted the Power Tour to become. Nintendo Quest is very much about Jay and Nintendo culture. You know, I wanted the Power Tour to take those people that we identified in the Nintendo culture segments and make it more about everybody. So that's why we interview more people. It's it's Jay and I and then Jay and I and Glenn introducing stuff and other people that, you know, come and hang out throughout the whole process. 
that's uh, like I said, just a great experience indeed. Um, but I, I, before I touch on a little bit more with others of the subjects, I just want to ask, could you tell us a little bit, guys, about the secretive episode nine? Glenn, tell us about episode nine. Well, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so I can tell you that. I'm the keeper of the footage. Keeper of the footage. Uh, it is exclusive to the Power Tour discs, DVD, and Blu-ray. Of course, you can go to NintendoQuest.com and order them. Uh, it's in some ways, it's it's probably what you expect it to be. I wanted something special on the DVD, and we couldn't shoot another episode. There was not another stop on the Power Tour, right? Like, so I was kind of, how do I make this work? But like Glenn said, there's so much that happens that goes around what you see in the current episode. So that's kind of where I started from how these were gonna, how this was gonna put together. And it turns out we had a, a lot of segments that didn't make the cut. And it's not just all oh, these are the leftover kind of rejects. There, there are I think five or six really cool segments where you get to see more of the community, more of Jay and I with our guards let down even more, just kind of in the moment. On the on the road, like the kind of stuff yeah. that we we certainly couldn't do in Nintendo Quest because of the 90 minute runtime. Like you get to see what it's like being on the Power Tour and some of the other cool people we met and the things that we did. And it definitely sounds like it's a great value indeed. And that is I a, think so. And that is an extra. Is that correct? Yeah, it's an extra episode. So there's nine episodes on the discs. If you buy the Power Tour digitally, you only get access to eight. Oh, there you go. Uh, so you've got some more projects on the queue. Now no, that, not me. Okay, because I know you both are very busy gentlemen indeed. Glenn, let's talk first about what's what's ahead for you going forward. Yeah, I know you got some stuff going on with the studio that you're part yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fun thing about the uh, the video game industry is how frequently you can't actually talk about what you're working. <laughs> so. Uh, at this point, I, I Three can't letters. say NDA. NDA, but we uh, uh, our flagship title at Tiny Titan Studios is a mobile game called Dash Quest, which uh, many of our listeners may be familiar with. Uh, been fortunate enough to have many of our listeners reach out to us and reach out to me and actually talk about how much they love the game and, and seeing them support the game is great. But uh, we've had a real sort of uprising of support on the Google side of that uh, of that business lately and that's been really awesome to see so we're really trying to ride that wave for as long as we can and really trying to take a critical look at the game and see how we can make it the best possible experience it can be for everybody playing it so over the next little while we're going to be dedicating a little more time to uh, to really just trying to streamline the game experience and really make it everything it can be and just make it make it the best experience for as many people as it can be on as many different devices that they choose to play it on. Uh, we do have another game called Tapsmiths, which we'll be launching uh, hopefully before the end of this month. And uh, we've got some other irons in the fire that we really aren't in a position to talk about, but it's a really, really exciting time to be part of what's going on at Tiny Titan, and I feel I feel so incredibly fortunate to be part of it, and, and uh, it's been a great experience for me. It's really changed my life. That's awesome, and uh, I congratulate you on that, and definitely looking forward to seeing what the studio's going to be uh, bringing out very soon. And Rob, uh, I know you still have got a lot on the plate. We're gonna get, we're getting our picture taken right now yes. by, by your daughter Gerald. Yes, yes, my daughter yes. Ellen, who absolutely is your biggest fan of the movie Nintendo Quest. We're getting our picture taken in three, two, one. Oh, <laughs> we're having technical difficulties. What's the matter? 
set to video by mistake? No, that's it's good. We're taking pictures of our discs on the table now. Oh, here we go. All right, well, Gerald, while you figure out the tech specs, let me uh, ramble on about what's so going many, on. so many other things that are now on the queue for you as well. Yeah, so one of the biggest things that I haven't really had a chance to talk about is we finally launched, I finally launched robmccallumfilms.com because it uh, became apparently clear that I needed a one-stop shop for everything that I am doing. Three, two, one. All right, the picture's good. Um, so robmccallumfilms.com is now launched. It is your the place to go for blog posts on all the different projects I'm doing, uh, a place to check out the, where you can buy discs and kind of everything in between, frequent collaborators and social media sites. Uh, we just premiered Missing Mom last week in London, Ontario, which was awesome. That is available now and it's catching a lot of people off guard. So I look forward to being able to really spread the word uh, on that film. And later this year... It's uh, available on Vimeo, correct? It's available on Vimeo. Again, go to robmccallumfilms.com. Link's right there to check it out. Or search Vimeo On Demand, Missing Mom Documentary. You'll, you'll find it. Um, and later this year, hopefully, the documentary on Kitty, Kitty Origins and Evolutions, come out uh, with both a fan cut and, we believe, a distribution cut. The difference being three hours long for the fans and about, I don't know, an hour 45 for regular folk that maybe don't know the band as well and don't want to have all the intricate details. So, uh, pretty exciting to have a year with two films released. Absolutely. Uh, it looks like, indeed, uh, still a busy time for you. And one last question. Like I said, it's been two years we were here. We talked so much about Nintendo Quest at, time, at that time and what hopes you had for the success of the film. The film, in my opinion, has been, been a great success, both on a critical basis now, obviously, a lot of people have liked it as well, which leads me into my last question for both of you. Any thoughts on a Nintendo Quest sequel? I've heard slight rumors here and there pop up now did, and then. Well, did you watch the very last episode of the Power Tour? Uh, as far as that's concerned, yeah. Did you watch past the credits? As far as uh, like a Marvel setup? Yeah. No, I did not. This interview is over. No, this interview is over because we addressed that very specifically. Look at you, Gerald. You're, you're caught off guard, and now that we've wet your whistle, everybody else will have to go out and check. And now I have to go check again because I haven't, so i got to go check it out again. There you go. Well, you know what? Why don't you pick up a disc copy, and you can get the ninth episode as well, as seeing what's after the credits of episode eight. <laughs> but that will answer the question definitively. Uh, I, I think so. I think it certainly alludes to it. It's a pretty it. definitive answer, I think. Yeah. Yes, I have some. Cool. Uh, anything else for us? Pretty no. Nintendo Quest Universe. So, well, actually, All the films tie into each other. How best, as far as it's concerned, can fans get a hold of you both, as far as the projects you do? Obviously, with your studio. Best, uh, best Facebook, uh, oh, yeah, Twitter. Of yeah, you can uh, you can visit our uh, our website at tinytitanstudios.com. You can follow us on Twitter at tinytitangames. And you can also find us on Facebook at Tiny Titan Games. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'd say Facebook and, and Twitter are great ways to interact with us and keep tabs on what we're doing. And NintendoQuest.com, RobMcCallumFilms.com. There's ways to email, email us, uh, message us on Facebook, and of course, tweet at us on Twitter. And Gerald, where can folks get a hold of you? At GameSource. 
Game Source on Facebook, and a new site, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And since Twitter won't give me another S, Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. Evelyn, where can people get a hold of you? You're the Pop Culture Cosmo. Yeah, well, what can I say? Twitter will not give me another S. Okay, fair enough. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we may continue to record a Level Up Expo. We may not. We've actually had a pretty great interview around 35 minutes. So, uh, for myself, Rob McCallum, uh, Glenn Stanway. Stan Buck, signing off from the desert. And thanks again to our special guest for his wonderful, thoughtful questions, uh, Gerald Glassford. I appreciate your time, gentlemen. And again, I wish you both continued success. Yeah, we really appreciate only... the support, Gerald. Thank oh, you. Oh, no worries. Not only with the film, but with all your other projects as well. Until next time, game on.